This is episode 23 of the John and Tom Show. And Tom is here with me today. How are you doing, Tom? Oh, I'm good, John. How are you? You know, I am... How am I? I don't know. I'm sort of... It's a little gray. I'm feeling a little, like, uh, melancholy, let's say. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of weird stuff out there going on in the world, uh, as usual. Um, trying to make sense of things. Um, I think the topic that seems to be, you know, it just won't go away, will it? That COVID topic. <laughs> it kind of um, evolves a little bit, you know. It sort of changes. Now we're in the the deep uh, vaccine hesitancy stage. And there's, you know, there's still people out there that aren't, that, that are hesitant to take it for various reasons. I think one of the biggest reasons obviously is the media and, and not media is such a broad term, but if I think of where can I get news that's fair, there is no fair news at all. I've thought about this more recently and it's, it's really depressing and any there is no fair news and that exists in the world. No, I agree, John. Well, you know, John, earlier we were talking about this phenomenon now of tribalism, mm. and uh, you know, a, a, a lot of I, I've heard a lot of people, especially uh, uh, Adam Kinziger, uh, talks about tribalism, and I think that applies to the media as well. Well, cer- I mean, certainly, you're either, certainly. You're either left or yeah. you're right. I mean, once that's, they, uh, yeah, once they start going in a direction, imagine going to work for CNN and posing some questions that don't fit their narrative. You're gone. It'd be the same same situation with Fox. Any, if, any if, news source at this if point. If you go in any and source. make any liberal statement, you're probably gone. Absolutely, absolutely. They they don't. You have to play on that tribal team. You know, if you don't, then you're gone. And I, I just don't, you're not, you don't see anybody really that's fair or uh, the only really the last bastion of ability to speak your mind is podcasting. True. It's probably I, the, the last place where you can speak freely without any sort of, uh, because when you're with CNN or Fox or any of these giant news sources, it's it's about money. It's about they're, they're, they have to control that narrative so they keep their audience. Oh, exactly. So, and, and you know, what happens when you get too big too, even on a podcast, you start going there too. I think mm-hmm. there's people that probably started out with the good intentions and then they start going in a direction and they, then, then they have to keep their audience. Now, someone like Joe Rogan doesn't matter. Oh, Joe yeah. Rogan can do whatever the hell he wants. He's, yeah, got a, he he's got a contract and, and that's one thing I find a little bit refreshing about him, even though I'm not a huge fan as much. I, I used to be more of a fan, um, but I do appreciate if you've really listened to him, his shows, you know, he's not always right. But who is, but at least he, he's, um, he weighs everything yeah, uh, and tries to consider a lot of different sides. And so I appreciate that. Um, and Lex Friedman is another one I like, the, but he's a different type of dude. I'm really ambivalent about Joe Rogan. I mean, he's, you know, he, I, I'm not a fan. To me, but, he's gotten a little repetitive. But, but the yeah. one thing I'd like about him is his, his selection of guests. He has a very, he has an excellent selection of guests. Well, on he his, talked to Sanjay Gupta. Today, yeah, yeah, yeah yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but if you go back years, the over the years through that he's talked about, who he's talked to, it's really fascinating, some of the stuff that he, but I think at this point he's having four four podcasts a week, four or five podcasts a week. Mm-hmm. He's starting to sound very repetitive. Oh yeah, you know, it's like he asks this. He talks about aliens. He talks about this and that, and it's like, he, you know, it's the same conversation with a different person. <laughs> so it's like, anyway, I don't know. We don't have to talk about Joe Rogan too much, but I just um, I, I do. You know, I, I find his position on COVID to be kind of I don't agree with it for the most part. I I think that he's a little off. Uh, because he focuses, I think one of the things there's there's multiple things. Um, I, th- I think he focuses on the um, the the very rare things that happen when people take the vaccine; they have side effects. Mm-hmm. He focuses on that a lot. He says that oh, you know, so many people that that you know had these horrible side effects, and they you know they're really you know permanently damaged from it. Like oh. I, I don't, and I think there's just very little evidence of that. There's there's very 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 little evidence of that, and. That's the part I think I, I, I move away from. But I do agree with him that treatment and, um, tr- you know, the treatment should also be given 
attention. Like, mm-hmm. well, why we shouldn't just automatically uh, disregard ivermectin and Regeneron and and the antibodies, uh, uh, monoclonal antibodies, uh, just because Trump took them. We shouldn't do that. Um, it, it and I agree with that. Um, but but his but the whole thing focusing on the very very small, very minute um, side effect people. That's not cool. And and he is such a big voice. And he does influence people, um, mm-hmm. even though he's a comedian. And he, he admits that he shouldn't, you shouldn't be talking to him. should be listening to him for your medical advice. Uh, I agree. He's right there. But he does have sway. And um, it's, oh, kind yeah. of, uh, it's kind of um, unfortunate that he's he doesn't just say, yeah, just get vaccinated. Because here's the deal. I think if... Um, if everybody, if, if, you know, 95% of the people got vaccinated, I, th- I really do think that, 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 uh, COVID would get tamped down to a point where, and, and, and get boosters. And we're going to probably have to get them like once a year, maybe. That's um, how we, it's not going to be that big of a deal. It's going to be like the flu. That's how we stamped down polio and smallpox in the fifties. Why can't we learn from the past? Right. Well, you like, know, why can't we do that? The, the, the problem is. This is one of my favorite old sayings. Anybody who forgets the past is doomed, doomed to, to repeat it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and it should know it. No, that's a very good point. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. I mean, we didn't learn, like we didn't learn anything from Vietnam. Correct. You know, yeah. uh, correct. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, but another point on um, the Joe Rogan uh, argument of natural immunity being stronger than the vaccine immunity, right? Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, there was a there was a study from Israel that saying that um, that that is the case that uh, natural immunity is stronger than vaccine immunity, but but there, that that study is shown to have some major flaws. Oh yeah, um, and the majority of studies out there are are seeing that um, actually uh, more than a third of COVID infections. Um, of, of natural immunity infections result in zero antibodies. Well, you know, you don't, get, you don't even get like 36% actually get no antibodies. Not if you get COVID naturally and you have no vaccine uh, and then the natural immunity also fades faster than the vaccine immunity. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the majority of the studies. And like the one Israel study is the only real one that's showing the opposite and it's got flaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, also natural immunity alone is less than half affected than if you get, if you get natural immunity plus the vaccine. Well, you know, John, you mentioned that study from Israel. As a retired healthcare professional, my first question is, how did it stand up under peer review? Well, that's the thing. What do they say about it in Nature and the Lancet and yeah. the AMA Journal? I mean, that's that's what I want to see. Yeah. You know, because it, it if it doesn't pass muster on peer review, it's not worth squat. Right. Well, let me introduce uh, to you the audience of the John and Tom show. Very special guests. It is Dr. Erica Fisk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They're hard up for guest people. No, Good to sure. have you here. Uh, she's making herself at home because this is her home. You and know, I think you're the first one guest we've ever had. It has polished toenails. That's true. Yeah. My friend Eric. She's not wearing any. Sh- Eric any sh- and Dom probably both. Dom, <laughs> no, Dom, we just recently saw, and I guarantee you that he or Mort have. Mort, 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 Mort. Mort, Mort. If he, he might have polished nails. Dom, I don't know. Dom's nuts. We saw Dom last week. Oh, you did? Yes. Oh, yes. man, he's it crazy. I, I'm, I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that guy. He's uh, <laughs> from Sagas. That's the number one problem. Yeah. <laughs> go go socks. Go socks. I mean, Where are they going? They're you going know, to the freaking going World home. Series to beat your Giants. Speaking the Giants got to win tonight. Let's yeah. go. In fact, speaking of the socks, you know, of course, the I, Red Sox, I remember... Way. I remember watching the 75 uh, World Series when your uncle, uh, Carlton Fisk, was catcher for the Boston Red Sox. And I sat there and watched the game with your mother and father. 
and my wife, we were all sitting around the TV when your Uncle Carlton hit that world-famous home run that kept the Sox in the series, even though they lost. And that was the sixth game that kept them in the series. And, and that's one of the most They named famous. a poll after it. Yeah, yeah, they named a poll after it. But we saw that on TV. And, of course, we were – Cincinnati uh, fans and I and, and we still been years. We're still friends after all these years. Johnny uh, Bench, yeah, Johnny Bench. Um, I had a Johnny Bench outfit, uh, uniform. Oh yeah, when Pete, I was a kid. Pete Rose, Davey Concepcion, and yeah, uh, George Foster, Joe Morgan, Joe Morgan. Oh yeah, yeah. These. You know what was great about that at that the big time, red machine used to have an album, those, an actual record, big red machine. This is any at that time. Indianapolis was the AAA farm team for Cincinnati. Yeah. And I saw every one of those guys play at Indianapolis except oh, yeah. Pete Rose. Wow. And Pete Rose was actually picked up on a trade deal, I think, from the Mets. He played for the Mets? Mm-hmm. And, and he's picked up on a, and, and Cincinnati picked him up on a trade. He never played at Indianapolis. All the rest of those guys did. We were just up visiting in New Hampshire and back in the hometown of where they both grew up. That's where the Fisk boys are from, Charlestown, New, New Hampshire. And we were there and we were having some, you know, breadsticks at the local pizza joint. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, my, my dad spots somebody he knows. Of course, a small town goes up and they were talking. And this gentleman was like, this... Your father was the better baseball player. You and know, I, that's, and what you, that's what your grandmother always said. She said oh, that, she said that oh, because yeah, I swear that. the only person who's ever she, told me that is my dad. I'm said, like, I don't believe no, you. No, no, no. Mrs. Fisk said, I've, I'd heard her say this before. I said, you know what's funny? She goes, really, Calvin was the better ball player of the two. Well, you know, I, no, I mean, like, that's like ridiculous to believe, right? Like my uncle's a hall of famer. He like, oh, had yeah. this special moment. He went into the hall of fame and he's like this great catcher in the history of catching. But in his catching. teens, he might've been better. You know, well, maybe in the teens, but like, it's just kind of like my only person who's ever told me that I know of that he was, that my father was a better player is my father, which a lot, you know, well, as you know, <laughs> with the grain of salt, right. You know, but here I am in new, in new, Hampshire in the tiny girl up and the first person we see that he recognizes also tells me that Pudge we love you not taking anything away from you but you know I gotta side with my dad on this point it's been validated by both my grandmother <laughs> and also yeah. a man in a lark a man in Charlestown when we were there randomly also just told me that without solicitation and i think that that's an important important point to take it is you absolutely. know like you're there and you're like but you're in the also you're a little, it's, winning a little heartbreak, Rome. it's a little heartbreaking it's too. Also, i don't want to talk about well, it. it's too you, painful yeah. you know really it's if, way too painful if yeah. calvin hadn't had to go to vietnam there probably would he didn't have to you know what the story there is? <laughs> well, well, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I know. That's, I know. that's also a painful story. <laughs> well, it's like, well, let's put, say have to if he hadn't gone to Vietnam. Anyway, I'm pretty sure there would there, there would have been two fists. He had two choices. Playing. He had yeah. two choices. I think it would have go been Go to Chicago or go to Vietnam. Mm. He chose he, Vietnam because he's so scared of big cities. And God really? love that man. Yes, he Calvin did. is afraid of big. He never told me that. I've known him. He's more scared of Chicago years. than the war in Vietnam. I'll be damned. And he went to Vietnam for a year and a half, two years, and he saw some crazy stuff that you might also see in Chicago. Honestly, but what was he yeah, supposed to go to Chicago for to play ball or no, not to play ball because he's in the RGC and they gave him an option of going to the war, going to Chicago, and being oh, based. Okay, see, I. You know, he, he's afraid of big cities. Yes. So get this man Very who's so. afraid of big Charlestown cities. Has, beer. Charlestown doesn't even have a stoplight. It has no stoplight. But so we went on this vacation with my family. We went up to New England. We went to the Hamptons. We went on this trip. And my father said, we're flying out of LaGuardia. He goes, the only thing I'm really nervous about trying to drive in a big city. And that man without hesitation, drove through Times Square. He had a giant, giant car. SUV. And he navigated New York City Times like Square, a champ. We drove through Times Square, back and forth through 77 yeah. years impressive. old. It was impressive. And he, he managed himself, and he wasn't complaining or, or anything. Yeah, I was, he I was proud of him. I gave him a big hug afterwards. So he went from not going to Chicago, yeah. chose Vietnam to drive in a big city at 77 years old without any trouble at all. You know, I love the, that man. the word for that is megalopolis 
phobia. Megalopolis phobia. Or small town of Diffia. Yeah, yeah, Diffia. <laughs> uh, but anyway, no. Well, well, anyway, the bottom line is uh, your parents are still married. 48 yeah. years. Yeah, 48 years. Uh, my wife, and, well, you know, it's funny. My wife and I have been married 48 years. So when's a party for the 50th? In two years. Uh, two years, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody uh, get married anymore? Yeah, Well, we you know, a lot of people get married, but they don't stay married for 40-some years. Tell me about sister wives. Is it something that's desirable? I don't, I don't know. know, man. You want... I, I that's don't know. That's, that, that, that's weird. It, well, it's... Uh, that's a difficult know, question. Hardcore. This is actually... It depends how much you love your husband. Is this for sister wives all around the world right now? Yeah, and this guy, <laughs> this one guy, and I don't know where he gets his money. He doesn't do crap. Who? But that this guy that that has the, the sister wives. Oh, yeah. All the maybe wives, the sister all wives, the wives all work. Well, all the wives call them call themselves sisters. You know, yeah. maybe and, they support him. But but oh. all he does is keep uh, producing kids. I mean, I, how I, many kids does he have? I don't know, man. It was like, but he doesn't have to take care or, of them because he's got sister wives and the wives are all okay with it and they're sisters, but they're also wives. So here's a not his sister. They're sisters with each other, Can but you not imagine with him. Well, having no, three they wives. are BFF sisters. They Can call you, themselves sisters. John Beerman as your wife. And this may be a very loaded question. Cause I already know your answer. Oh is my that, God. Would you like three wives? Hell no. Exactly, because I harass that's you. What that's what I was trying to understand. Like, I harass you frequently. And I don't know what man wants multiple wives. I don't think that you want multiple wives. So there has to be well, some benefit. I think that it's probably good for the wife. Oh, yeah? How so, Erica? Because there's more help. There's more help in taking oh. care of the children. No, this is All true. It's, a, it's like a community. It's a, so you, uh, it's you, a village. Are you advocating for the man to have multiple wives? Are you advocating for polygamy? I'm not sure if that's the case. I mean, it really depends on how much I love my husband. Which so, husband? Oh, wait, you only have one. I only have one husband. There's, it's not, <laughs> we could it's go not the other brother or husband. Could, you could flip yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You could flip it. You could have brother husband. husband. You could have yeah. brother, brother husbands. husbands. Yeah. I'm not sure I want that either. Maybe I do. Maybe that Brother be husbands. That'd would, be a mess. That would well, be a disgusting mess. Why would you have brother husbands? That's, that's, that's it horrible. It's like, so that seems disgusting because what does a man do? It just makes me sick to think about it. I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, so there's a, a super double-edged, du super double standard in that. You but could so like sister wives, you know, like it, I guess it would really depend on how much the wife really loves her husband because a wife who really truly loves her husband a lot, like they don't want to share that. Well, so, you know, so that's a, it's a difficult question. Like you well, don't want to share. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> well, what you, is love? You know, somebody asked me, uh, uh, few years well how how is it how how have you guys managed to be married all these years hell i got i found a woman to put up with my crap for all these years i'm gonna hang on to her you know that's <laughs> simple because i doubt i'll find simple. a replacement <laughs> it's that and only that it's that and only i'm that. just kidding no no <laughs> no, really, it's, no it's no no it's part I'm, of it but I, it's, it's a very complex joking. let's put very it this complex. way i've always felt like i'm the fortunate one in, in the marriage mm. john that's a good way to look at it tom that's how men stick around. If you don't feel like you're the fortunate one, you think you can do better, then most often you're out the yeah. door. Well, the man should be the pursuer. That's typically how it should no, be. That's, well, nature, that's the way nature is. Right. You know? And this is, I've talked about this before. The man should typically be the pursuer. As yeah. is our child, Luke, was just in a wedding and he was strongly pursuing that flower girl. He just wanted her to like him. Well, That's what's the is. difference? They do. What do you I mean, mean? What's the difference? He's not trying to court her. Well, I mean, what, what do people do when, what do men do when they try to get a lady? They're pursuing he just wants, them. You know, they, no. Men just want the girl to like her. At four, all you want is somebody to like you. Well, what are you trying they, to say? There's a different to agenda? Like, laugh and smile. That's all he wanted. That's, That's what he... most men should do initially anyway. I mean, you're trying to, is, are you trying to say that there's a, more of an agenda, a sexual agenda and, as you get older? Sure. Yeah, of course. But, sure, but like in, if you're going to extrapolate older men to our four-year-old, obviously Luke doesn't know anything about that, but he was trying to get this two-year-old girl to like him. 
I think he's a ladies' man. I think he's a ladies' man too. I yeah. mean, I think yeah, that that is man. he was actively courting her in whatever way he knew how to. What well, didn't you tell me, Erica, that he was brought her a flower? Yeah, was like he doing like this like special dance room. He's running circles stuff. Can yeah. I bring her my toys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something. That, I mean, he was trying to get her affection. I'm telling you, you got a ladies' he's man. He's just there. trying to get anybody's affection. He he's a lover. He's a lovey boy. Yeah, he loves people and he, right. he just Maybe wants you to like him that's all he, he's sure he really is that way and that's why i love him just happened to be a girl it doesn't really matter like i think he just he might he, be right he, but he, he, he wants made, to be he, spe he spent special attention for that girl to like him yeah. he did lots of special right. things because she was I the only the, other kid there i saw she, the pictures like, of yeah. two of them together i'm, I'm not arguing I'm, I'm i'm just like, i'm agreeing with you i'm just uh it's just sort of <laughs> i got a finger coming at me now you know, it looks like something my wife. So did. back to COVID. No. Oh yeah. So uh, thirty minutes no. later, what do you want to talk no, about? That, with that's COVID? all going to be deleted. That's okay. Um, but it was fun. <laughs> no, well. Well, listen. Um, I went down for an interview downtown Indy. Cool. Indianapolis, Indiana, United States. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are international, I don't think we have much of an international audience anymore because Trump is gone. I think a big part of our Indian our audience was. <sighs> Because we were sort of trying to figure out the Trump shit, but now exactly now that that's sort of temporarily tabled, that international audience has kind of gone away, and that's okay. That's fine. They'll come back probably. But anyway, Indianapolis, Indiana, mm -hmm. United States, okay. the heartland. We live in Carmel. Tom lives in close to Brownsburg, technically Indy, probably. But uh, I went down for an interview, and. I went down there and I parked my car and wearing a suit to go to an interview and I walk out and all of a sudden I'm getting accosted by all these like crackheads and, and like zombies. Mm -hmm. There is no police presence downtown. There's no police presence downtown Indy. Uh, the crackheads and no, the crackheads and the, the zombies have taken over and they mm -hmm. have full reign of downtown Indianapolis. You as know, of as of now, there is no um, there's no police presence down there, and um, one of the reasons is that they, there's limited resources, and the worst part of Indy, I guess, is the east side. Yes, so all it the is. all the cops are going over there, mm -hmm. and they've abandoned downtown. So mm -hmm. if you go downtown, you're on your own. Pretty much, yes. And that's the type of thing I'm talking about with America, where we're at now. We're not, we're not like uh, providing the adequate resources to take care of our places, right? Like our cities are, you know, there's not a lot of violent crime in downtown Indy. <laughs> it's all, you know, sort of this. Um, you don't what, get murders downtown. You don't get a lot of murders. Yeah. You don't get it like that. Like you get people being approached. You get like uncomfortable interactions and maybe sure. some petty crime. And so... I used to live in San Francisco and I used, I was thinking, you know, there's this place called the Tenderloin, which is <laughs> right in the middle of downtown. I like, didn't know downtown. they knew what Tenderloins were on the West Coast. <laughs> well, I thought that was strictly a Midwestern thing. That's a good point. The Tenderloin, <laughs> very tender loins, tender loins. So that's the area of uh, San Francisco you probably shouldn't go to, unless you want to buy crack or go to a prostitute or something that that area is kind of in the middle of San Francisco. That's what I felt like going down to downtown Indy for my interview in the middle of the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's decay mm -hmm. of our society. That's did that's a, that's just a one instance of a, something I noticed yesterday here at the day, day before, uh, of decay. It's not something mm -hmm. that's going to smack you in the face. It's not going to, not gonna like it's not a, a headline mm -hmm. but this is something if you go down there and you're just like holy shit man like this is bad <laughs> well you, you know what's really ironic bad. john i you know we've got the you know convention center and all that and 500 every year and final four and we, we really host quite a few big events uh we've had the super bowl and i've talked to people a lot of people that visited have have come here from out of town for these different events and they said oh indianapolis is really nice it is 
So, what? yeah, you can walk downtown on the streets at night and not have to worry about yeah. it. So I thought, okay, but, but you know, what I realize is when, when there's events, bingo, when there's events when, when going there's on, events, then the police presence is there. Bingo. They're when there. they're gone, then you're on your own. Exactly. And then, yes. so the regular people that work downtown or live downtown. So this, I'm sure if it's happening here, it's happening everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it's happening everywhere. This is Indiana. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Indianapolis is what eight hundred some thousand. We're not even a a million. You know, you think about like indicators. Mm -hmm. Indianapolis could be an indicator, or Indiana could be a good indicator. We're the test market. Bellwether. We're we're a test market for all things: uh, commerce, um, fashion, and also uh, what your city might look like. You know what's funny? I saw it years ago that news anchors on ABC and see, you know, all these, they, th- their voice coaches teach them Midwestern English because we really don't have an accent. Do you think I have an accent? No. So, in contrary to what you just said, not to be interesting or anything, but a lot of people think I have an accent. Like, where are you from? I was like, I'm from Indiana. And they like, you have an accent. That's very strange. Anyway, uh, neither here nor there. But uh, I think that the Midwest is somewhat of a test mark. I mean, I spent nine years of my uh, training in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the big time retailer commerce goes to Columbus as a test market for high end fashion. I mean, Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret is and uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of places they go there to uh, trial this market because we're kind of the average American. We're not too snobby. We're just kind of, you know, middle of the road type of people most often. And um, I think that it's important to test products on on average people. And I think that that's what happens. And I don't know. I haven't heard specifically about Indiana. Um, but I know that Columbus, Ohio is very much like that, which is only three hours away from us. Say I'm a high-end uh, retailer like Victoria's Secret. If I only focused on the 1%, the very wealthy or whatever, how long do you think I'd last? Very, very, um, not very long. Not very long. It's all about volume. It's all about, it's about marketing. volume. Everything's about oh, volume. Oh, yeah, it's about volume. Yeah, sure. We're just pretty much normal Average Americans, I'd say. I went to a mall that I used to go to when I was a child. I mean, that's 20 years ago. And someplace I went to get a prom dress, someplace I went to to hang out. And I went there, and it's also probably a similar type of feeling, not random with with homeless people, but like kind of like a desolate place. The malls are empty. It's a very weird feeling. It's not like how it used to be. Middle class go is there. gone. You know, you go there and you're just kind of like, mm, I'm not sure I really want to spend a whole lot of time here. You go there, you get in, you get out, and you like leave. And quite honestly, like, you don't even find anything in the mall that you can't just find online. Well, that's, and that's, that's the, yeah, that's That's changed. also a terrible problem. I mean, and it's probably why malls are failing also, and there's decay in the mall situation. Some malls are doing just fine, like the upper end ones. I don't even know it's if an that's experience. True. It's an experience more than a need. The need is being taken care of by Amazon. The experience is still there for those who can afford it. I don't think there's a great experience it. in most malls. Well, for, you know, like, what's no, the experience? There isn't. You go like, around, it's kind of awkward, and there's like, okay, this might be a little bit sketchy because there's some random people, people with a lot of money want to go there and like show that they can buy those things. I That's honestly have no clue. Yeah, it was just making a those, statement. Yeah. I don't have any idea how the big box. Even mall retail stores like Macy's. Macy's is a little bit like Macy's, more. It's very yeah. well established, but like the Nordstroms of the world uh, are going to survive because there's so much inventory there. There is not volume of consumers there to 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 buy that inventory. It is a little surprising that they there hasn't been more fallout. There should be. I mean, no. like I, I have no idea how people make it. And um, I don't know, if again, like if this is a decay of society or some type of indicator, but everything is moving virtual, online, remote. 
um, far away from human interaction. Well, and now we're starting I, to go into the technical sort of robotic issue. <laughs> well, you know, but it's true. It's a good point. Yeah. The podcast, Medical Matrix. Medical Matrix is is a wonderful podcast. No, but it's, it's just an interesting thing. I mean, like the whole world is that is going that direction. Well, yeah. Well, the times have changed dramatically because I remember like in the 60s and into the 70s, they were building shopping malls right and left. And the bigger and fancier it was, it was a proven, the better. It was a proven success Exactly, model. exactly. It was a yeah. proven market that yeah. worked. Over so now what are we seeing? We're seeing that most people buy things online. Every week. We, you know, we live out in the country so I can do this. I have to burn a pile of boxes. Amazon. They'll send you a box in a box, too. Exactly. Like they, the oh, box yeah. Box oh, yeah, box. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But cardboard but she's, she's is something like we should all invest Prime, in cardboard. And then some stuff she'll get from like Walmart or whatever, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, but back in the day, if you wanted anything like that, you had to get in the car and go to a mall. Well, that's, well that's, that's, that was part of like, think about like what you're, what we're talking about here. Like even that, even the, the even the idea that there is a mall is a mm -hmm. huge advancement Oh yeah, for, for humanity. And then now we've gone up to like 10 levels above that where you don't even have to leave your house and you press a button and something shows up at your house. I sure. would say that malls are going to go away pretty soon. They, oh, I mean, yeah. they've a lot they've of them essentially have. gone away. A already, lot of them like, have. And so I'm going to put my perspective as a working mother. And the truth is, is that I don't want to go to a mall. I would rather push a button and have something show up at my house. That's yes. terrible for I society. Mm -hmm. I never liked malls either. I don't like going to malls. Mm -hmm. I just want to see what I want to get. I don't want to go to a mall and see if they randomly have what I want. Yes. I can look online get exactly what I want, know that it's coming to my house and it shows up at my door in two days. I mean, like, who doesn't what other, want that? Okay, so think about, like we were talking about the other day, like <clears throat> what are some of the side effects of that? Some like, really terrible side effects from that, but one of them is not inconvenience. I mean, inconvenience is... So you're you're taking a, like a lot of jobs away from people, which is fine. It's, it's which not is fine. A, it, I well, mean, like, it is I get what that it is. it's a wrong it's thing, a, it's but... A, it's a side effect. And you're, you're taking, you know, like you're spending less gas, you're spending less gas, but there's a, there's a driver delivering it to you. So it's about, a, it's about a wash there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there'll be a, a, a drone, a drone that, it, that, that, that is uh, powered by solar cells or something. I don't know, <laughs> but um, I don't know. You think about the big picture of all this, like it's just, this is our new world. We live in a new world. And, and I was talking to Tom earlier about how, uh, it's changing so fast. It's hard to process as mm -hmm. an actual, yes. like a lump of, of, of flesh and water that we are. It's hard to, and this brain that we have, it's hard to process it at the speed that it's going. It's very hard to process and to make sense of. And, and like our concept of time, like we, we, you know, I'll talk to somebody I haven't talked to in a few years and I'll realize that like so much has changed in that time. Even Dom, like, or, or some of the people I've talked to, like, but you know, you see them again and you're like, oh, you're a, you're, a, you're a Trump supporter. I didn't even know that. Like, because like, it wasn't even an issue before. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even mm -hmm. there. So, but the Trump supporter thing is a whole different issue, but like, it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the speed of our society mm -hmm. of how things are going so fast. Everything's just going like exponentially fast right now. Well, you know, kind of backtracking a little bit here. When I was a kid, um, that's backtracking. That a lot is time. like like you're okay, way backtracking. Right. Right. I don't, know. I don't have that much hard drive space. Yeah, <laughs> no kid. That's anyway, backtracking a whole lot. I, I missed that. When part. I was a kid, there were no shopping malls. You had to go downtown. And one nice, one neat thing about Indianapolis is being the circle. Because what they did, the big retailers like Ayers, Blocks, Wassons, Pennies were all in the circle. And we'd go down there at Christmas because they still had the really elaborate uh, Christmas displays, window displays and whatever. I mean, that was a treat, you know, to go down there. Then, in the start in the 60s, you start getting these 
shopping malls out in the burbs. So you got less people going down. And there was a big thing about it. I said, oh, oh, God, what's going to happen to all these downtown department stores and all? They were they were department stores. That's where you went. That's where you went to get your stuff. Uh, and that was the only place. That, yeah, exactly. This year's That's catalog. Oh, well, yeah, that, you're, talking in, catalog. you're talking in the 80s, 90s. Okay, but like sorry, he's, he's talking earlier than that. Oh, we're yeah, yeah. Pre-mall. But, but what I'm saying, yeah, uh, uh, initially it was downtown. All, it's like you couldn't get stuff yeah. that you really needed. Like you had to, so that's, that's an important thing to note. You so know? you had to go downtown. I mean, you know, and, and at Christmas, but, but Christmas was cool. So they had the window displays, you know, the Mac mechanical, it was really cool. And and they kind of competed. All the, the retailers kind of competed. You can, can tell. You, can you visualize, like, can you visualize what that's like? It yeah. must've been so nice. It's like, yeah. just like this, like everybody's just like joyful time of year. You're mm-hmm. going down there and let's go downtown and see yeah, all this everybody's great stuff. Everybody's talking to everybody else. And the innocence. Yeah. The yeah, innocence exa- yeah, there. Exactly. Oh, I still like remember amazing. that. And you remember it from do. the eighties and nineties. I do totally but he, remember think, that. Um, like amplify and that amplify even it, more right? to go back to the sixties. It doesn't 60s. exist anymore. Now, yeah. now we're, now no, where we doesn't. are, it's, like not it's been it's not only doesn't exist it's been squashed on and put into oblivion and now it's sketchy <laughs> well and it's sketchy as hell well in the in starting in the 60s they started to really develop the suburbs when I was, so is, is the suburbs the downfall of our world well you know that's a good question john because when they did the suburbs and all of a sudden all these shopping malls are coming up, they're all, pay- well, what's going to happen to all these department stores downtown? Well, wait a minute. Nobody's going to go before downtown Before the suburbs, anymore. what was before the suburbs? Mm, Rural town. living yeah. and, and then town living. Yeah, I, I, I was born in, on the very near east side of Indianapolis. And, and, and it's an area so right was now. Was it city? Was it technically the city? Oh no, no, it was the city. It, yeah. it was, it was. Well, it was just outside Fountain Square. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it is an area that I would not go into now in broad daylight. But I think that aren't. if you look at like a lot of cities, like Detroit and Cleveland and all these other cities, these really heartland cities that yeah. from the '60s that were like really. Uh, amazing places and probably in the 60s or early 60s well, like just Detroit like, was Detroit yeah, oh, was it was oh, the, yeah, the top oh. three it was the third largest city in the mm-hmm. country oh and, yeah um, and how much that's changed because of the suburbs well you know the white flight started in the 60s it really did uh, we what's the white flight oh, it's white out, of, flight. out of the cities that's white people moving out to the suburbs Got to get it. out of to, to get away in, from in particular Detroit. Now Detroit, oh, we should shit, do it. We yeah. should do a show on Detroit. Yeah, oh, we Ooh, should. I'd love Chicago. I would, I would no, particularly Detroit. Chicago's a little too big. Detroit is a little bit more. I, I'm interested in in that man. Like it's Detroit a very interesting place. Is the model of urban decay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. I mean, downtown Detroit now looks like a demilitarized. It would be zone. cool to do a show just on like sort of the the history of Detroit. So, Detroit, so like when you know uh, starting into you know how the world is changing and how do people evolve and how do cities evolve to accommodate you know when Amazon was trying to find a home. Do you think Amazon could have saved Detroit? Like if Amazon was like Detroit. No. That's my city. I'm going to go and like no put way. home no, base no. in there. And no way. Do you, don't, you no. don't think that would have happened? It's way more complex than that. Well, but, but what I was saying, okay, so I was born in Indianapolis, near, very near east side. When I was about nine or ten maybe, we moved out to the northwest side. And the re- main reason, we, it was white flight. And uh, because we were very close to where my dad worked, he worked at Standard Oil on tips. But then... We were there you know, a pretty long time. Then we moved farther out, farther out west, and built one of the national homes. You know, you know they were, you know, this is still like you still got the the baby boom people. They, hell, they couldn't they couldn't build houses fast enough yeah. for everybody. Uh, so, so baby we, boom, just to pause for a second, was post World War II. Mm-hmm. All the people came back from mm-hmm. World War II. And it was a time of peace. Yes. Late 40s. 
Early 50s. Yeah, early 50s. Mm-hmm. That's when things boomed. Chicka, yep. chicka, boom, boom. That is when, think about the United States. That's probably the time of, peak, of peak United States. Oh, yeah. Late 40s, early 50s. Absolutely. Because we were on a high of all highs. We won World War II. Everything's good. There's total peace. Mm -hmm. And and think about that time, like 45 to like 60. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then a Cuban Missile Crisis and Mm -hmm. the Cold War starts and all that stuff. I remember remember all that. When when did polio happen? I'm not sure. Uh, polio really 30s, wasn't it? No, well, it actually got Before, pretty heavy that. like in the 40s. 40s, yeah. When in the polio. 40s? Early 40s? Mm, yeah, well, uh, the 30s, yeah, to say when it really had, because Roosevelt had polio, yeah. and that's why he was yeah. in I think re- it was 20s, 30s. Yeah, 20s, yeah 30s, it was like 20s. And it stopped in the 40s. 40s and so then, that's what I'm saying. 45 to 60 was a time of extreme peace. Maybe mm-hmm. that was when America was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's why we need to make America great again. We are again. They, that's oh, why oh, we need to make that. America great again. Again, that's that's the new. You haven't seen that. They're make, actually, it, make America make, great again, again, again. again. Okay. Yes, yes. Again, again. No, no, I'm serious. Uh, no, but like uh, this yeah. is funny. The I'm having these little revelations because like maybe 45 to 60. That was an innocent time, but it wasn't that innocent because there were no civil rights and all that shit. Oh, no, no, John. <laughs> it was very white heavy and John, all that. John, I, no, I. But seriously, when, though, th- think about it from a, ba- like a, a pretty basic concept mm-hmm. of just like peace in the world, mm-hmm. right? And we're coming home, everybody's happy. There's a feeling of joyousness and uh, we're going to like, and everybody's just like, they have babies, let's like build industrial revolution stuff you know mm-hmm. that was earlier but mm-hmm. it's still building 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 all the stuff that happened from world war ii is continuing uh it's an interesting time i, I am a member people are hopeful yes in, hopeful yeah. and hopeful in mm-hmm. the direction that the country was right. heading which right. i don't necessarily think is the truth right now i mean there are friends that i have that have decided not to have children because of the state of and the I world understand and, why you know, and i can i can I, well I, understand that yeah, I was close to doing I, that. Yeah, close. Yeah, I well, I you, you know, uh, <laughs> I am a member of the largest generation this country has ever of seen. Of happy people? Well, no, no, baby they, boomers. They, they used to be happy. Not baby anymore. boomers. We we are by far the largest single generation this country has ever seen. Yeah, yeah people don't want to have kids anymore. They're asexual. Well, well yeah, geez, this, you this have is to go true. there. Well, but, they are. People but are now, asexual now. They'd rather travel, and now that's ruined, so people are just depressed now. Because the baby boomers like my age and and older. And so now, all of a sudden, you've got all these people hitting nursing homes and whatever, like has never happened before. So now, we've got a problem with elderly care. Does life even mean anything? I don't know, man. If I had to go in a nursing home, I, I think I'd just wander off and, and die out in the in the cold. Like what uh, at this point? Like, like what's what is the? I think about this sometimes. Like, what is the even purpose of? Like, what are we doing anymore? Like, we're spinning our wheels. We're just like all the time. Like, John gets philosophical about once every three months when he's just like, "Why am I here? What am I doing? What's the meaning of life?" And it's like, you know, everybody feels this way. Yeah, you know, this it's is okay a, this, to, to ask a question. No, I don't think there's no, anything wrong with it. But the, the uh, like, asking a question has no answer. Well, and, but like you know, sometimes you have it's to good find back, the it, internal meaning of life on your well, own. No, it's good to sit back sometimes and just like, it's like, what is me? What, what are we doing? What it are, should be like, what makes my life meaningful? That should be the question. Oh, what are is you it Anne Rand? Life? Who are you, Anne Rand? <laughs> anything. I'm just trying to say is like, <laughs> what makes your own personal life meaningful? Like, what do you get up for in the morning? Like. It's different for everybody, right? Like you, you're never going to know the meaning of life. Is I'm not a, trying to figure out the meaning of life. <laughs> I'm not trying to figure that out. Well, I guess the meaning of life is that you're here. Uh, <laughs> but you know, John, you were talking earlier about how quickly things have changed. Now think, as I was a kid in the fifties to now, how much how how much things have changed well, over sixty some years? So, so I here, mean, it's just amazing. Listen to this for a second. This sort of goes um, 
into what we're talking about a little bit. So up to a certain time, all of humanity was ruled by religion. And you're, you're all of your, everything that you were here for, the purpose of life, the meaning of life was all about religion up until, mm-hmm. up until a certain point. Then it, then it turned into, uh, becoming optimized or efficient or technolo- technological advances. And that's when, and you start, stopped being into religion and religion sort of died. That's why Nietzsche said, uh, God is dead. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, and it turned into this, like now we just, all we're here for is to optimize ourselves, to make us the most efficient human beings we can be. And don't we feel like this every day? All we're trying to do, we're churning, we're spinning, 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 spinning. On all, and all we're doing is making ourselves optimized. And our children are optimized. And obsolete. But what about, but, but so like we, we've, before, I'm not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying that like before it was all about religion. Okay. Mm-hmm. The middle ages, the dark ages, all that stuff. Uh, it, your, your whole like reason for living was religion was because of God, because of this. Now it's become your, your reason for living is to be optimized, to be the best person you can be, to be the most efficient human being that you can be. That's the, that's the shift in, that's the shift in humanity. And now we're in the technological age. We were previously in the religious age. Now we're in the technological age and that's where we're at now. So anyway, so this is why people are depressed because now we're being optimized and we're being compared to the technology, technological age, which is robots. We have to be optimized. We're, it's so only far. a matter of time before we become robots. Really. Well, it's like really like, so now you're almost comparing yourself in your efficiency level to a robot and technology. And like, this is kind of like, like the prog- well, it's, like, it's not comparison, but like you're, you're progressing into a robot state of, uh, AI and no, technology it's, it's just, and it's all these the, things. It's, it's like progressing, progressing to what end? That's what I'm saying. And you're comparing yourself are, to like how efficient can I be? But we are there I now. Be? We are there. We are in the technological age. I'm saying like I'm, I'm comparing And you feel myself. it every day, right? We of all. I do. Anyone that goes to work every day, anyone that goes to work and, and works their ass off, you know, feels this. What, yeah, are, you, what the, are you doing it for? Like, what are we all doing this for? And that's the question that has to be sort of asked a little bit more, I think. Like, but, but there's nothing you can do to stop it. That's the problem. And that's why people are depressed, maybe, you know, because you can't stop it. And even you, Tom, you're, you're in the technological age. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a little older, but like, you know, even up to probably the 1800s, it started that's when it started to change. Well, the industrial revolution. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Once that, once that oh, yeah. happened, then, then it started becoming, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more of, um, you losing the whole, but it, was it better before? I don't think so. I, remember, I don't think it was better before. I remember <laughs> a commercial from the sixties and it showed this guy sitting in a, reading a newspaper and said he lost his job because of automation. In the sixties. In the sixties. <laughs> See, yeah, they were. Long, oh long, yeah, yeah, when when automation really started to get to be kind of a thing. I mean, there were all kinds. Of, what's, well, what are people going to do? Machines are going to do all the work. What about what about people? Player piano was written by Kurt Vonnegut. It's his first book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the premise is that um, all the all the there's like giant factories and machines that mm-hmm. do all the work, and there's about. 10 managers and everybody else is across the river and they're just at bars drinking and hanging, hanging out. Yeah. And well, it's like, <laughs> it's like you know, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> did you ever read brave new world? Yeah. Ald- and, Aldous and Huxley. Yeah, yeah. Every, every, yeah. Aldous Huxley. Nobody was made by the, you know, was conceived the old fashioned way. They're all in test tubes, but they're genetically mi- manipulated to make alphas, betas, yeah. deltas, and, you know, and, and so, and the thought was that you would put like an alpha or an alpha plus in jobs that required a high degree of intelligence and ability, mm. but you take an epsilon who barely is functional and make a, make them a janitor, but everybody's happy because they're doing what they, what intellectually yeah, what feels right to them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. uh, I always thought, of course, he wrote that in the 30s. 
Oh man, all the Huxley's are brilliant. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and George Orwell. You know, Albert uh, Camus. You know, Camus. Yeah. Some really good stuff. But 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 it's just you just and uh, George Orwell. Yeah. See, but but this stuff was going back. I mean, this has been around for years. You know, well, what happens if we start to become too automated? What happens if we start manipulating people genetically? Well, and, well, you know, here's the deal, right? AI is, oh, yeah. is here, and it's already embedded in our culture right now. Mm-hmm. And Erica knows this because, you know, we've actually had a couple of podcasts about AI and medicine mm-hmm. and machine learning and medicine, and it's 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 fascinating stuff. But like at this point, like look at Facebook and look at some of these other Instagram. You know, they're already the algorithms that are being created and and they're all that stuff that's going on it's AI it's kind already, of out of control ai already learns from you on a daily basis whether you know that it's doing it or not if you have a smartphone it's listening to you um it knows your preferences it knows how to please you with ads yeah it's reinforcing your beliefs and marketing and belief system and, and it's predicting the biggest predicts, thing is predicting your behavior it predicts your, it predicts predicts your, predicting your behavior, your behavior. It, it markets directly to you so then what and the hell are we matrix or what it might be yeah, it might be I, matrix yeah might you be know matrix. that's a good point we're there I, yeah, we, we're yeah, there we are I we're getting we there are. And well, maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, don't forget your smartphone knows where you are, too. It knows where you are. I say you know. I <laughs> dropped. I don't know, man. Like, like what's I, the difference of being microchipped? All these people vaccine microchips. Yeah. You like, you have a microchip yeah. that you're holding in your freaking yeah. pocket anyway. It's funny. That's what I said to you. I said. It's like, what's the difference? Like, you have an iPhone. You're already microchipped, it, FYI. Yeah. It's already listening. And There's knows a lot exactly of arguments against the, the microchip. <laughs> it's just silly. A lot of like, arguments against you know, like, It's like, okay, like, I don't want to be microchipped. Nobody does, of course. If it would be microchipped, fine. But like, all of us who have phones are already microchipped. We've been so like, microchipped. We already, dogs. we already bought into that. Callie's and microchipped. Yeah, yeah she, she, actually, she actually is microchipped. <laughs> she actually is microchipped. Poor baby dog. But, yeah, if everybody just uh, in the world could just see Callie and love her and love Callie, Callie I will think love that you back. We would all. But again, though, sort of gets back to this thing. Gosh, she's happy. I, I can't get over it. Like, you know, what, so are, she's what are we to? doing all this for? You know, John, you can't just for the meaning of life. No one knows what anybody's doing anything for. Why do you? Why do you get up in the morning and breathe? I mean, it's a silly question. I don't know. I don't know. But um, the, you gotta have like something to look forward to. I think that's what it is. That is a this world type of mentality. Sure. But that's a religious that's, mentality. That's that's a non-religious well, mentality. Honestly, I, it's actually I think it's, non-religious. It's like, that's a non-like. What this, am I doing? It's this a life? this life mentality. It has like nothing. To, it's actually probably an atheist. It's mentality. an atheist mentality. I don't what, think it's a religious mentality right. at all. Because How can if I get you're through? living your life in knowing that there is something beyond you, then your life becomes purposeful because there is something that or you meaningless. Know, oh, well, purposeful or, or meaningless, yeah, I mean, because like, like, what's the point? Sure. I've already, it's already done. So who cares? Why? Why should I even live well, it? Because it's been some bigger deity is making me do this. So why should I even bother? Make, making me, it's a, it's a choice. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I, choice. few, uh, quite a few years ago, <laughs> a friend of mine, a Methodist minister, and he said, "Do you know what's his method? What the church sells." Well, I don't know. You know, religion goes, no, we sell hope. Yes, I was going to say hope. Yeah. They sell hope. Yeah. The hope, you sell the hope that when you die, you're not really dead. You're you're not just going to. Well, that's the beauty it. of uh, ayahuasca. Oh, geez. Here we go. Here's a man. If you die before you die, then you don't die when you die. Do you know that is written in the uh, Elysia, uh, Elysia. In a Greek, in the Greek, uh, before Bible. pre-Christianity, mm. it says, "If you die before you die, then you won't die when you die." Well, see, the concept of of an afterlife, I mean, that goes back to the ancient Egyptians. You know, it, it's like that's. I'm talking what, about dying before you die, though. Tom. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I'm talking about the, in this life, understanding what death is, mm-hmm. and then it's a very complicated thing. I'm not going to get into it right now. There, you're plugging the John Beerman podcast. <laughs> 
Uh, Do you want to know more about this topic? Go to Beyond Music. There's nothing. Everybody's striving for something. They're always thinking that's something better. Just that the only thing is the moment. The only thing is right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that people just have to like, you know, if all they could do is just sit back and, and actually think about it for a minute. And like really just all you can ever ask is that somebody would like take a second to slow down mm-hmm. and look at their life and look and sit back and look at, at life. Not that not just their life, but life and think about things and get a little philosophical maybe. You know, that's okay. No, that's fine. Because like, you know, otherwise, you know, years go by and, you know, huge swaths of your life go by and you have no idea why or it, mm-hmm. it's just a big like meaningless nothingness like the only to me it's like part of the reason that gives me a feeling of um, something that means something is sitting back and looking at things and saying yeah how does that fit into the big picture and like what is this over here and like otherwise you're just spinning wheels you're like a rat in a fucking uh Oh, wheel. oh yeah, well, going yeah. over and over. You, you're not thinking. You're mm-hmm. you're just a an animal. You, mm-hmm. Are you conscious? Are you a conscious being, or not? If you're not asking these questions, if you're not questioning things, then you are just a rat in a wheel. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, and so it's important, I think, to take the time and do that. In my personal experience, that's that's actually given me a lot of um, a feeling of uh, something more. Beyond religion, like I, I grew up Catholic, but I, I shunned it at age eight. Mm. Um, you were not an altar boy. No, okay. no thank God I survived. But uh, I, I don't know, like what people do, like they just kind of go through a, you know, if you never get that, you just kind of go through the motions your whole life and you die. You never mm-hmm. have a moment outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. You never have a moment to take a step back and like view it. Or be conscious of yourself. Be think about your own self. Like, if you don't do that, life passes you by. Yeah. But does it even matter? So, right? Like, even if you do do that, does it even have any impact? I don't know. But I'm sorry. I, I keep going existentialist on you, Tom. And that's I, okay, John. That's okay, man. I'm an old hippie. I'm I'm in existentialism. <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh no it's a good point it's uh you know the uh age-old question do we ever really die there's a whole lot of religions out there including christianity of course and catholicism that we never really die well atheism says you do i guess and then you turn into worm food yeah yeah and that's it well could uh, be but i don't know man like we don't have to get into solving those kind of world problems. Those are those are heavy problems. But I think I said my piece already, as far as I can, because it's uh, it gets to be really confusing. What bothers me, John, is it's just not. And maybe you know, maybe I want to look past back and say, oh, it was always better then, which is not true at all. I think it's all about like I think we don't we don't always respect the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. The moment seems sort of like we take it for granted almost, you know, like we kind of take it for granted and then it's here and then it's gone. And then we, we value, we, we evaluate that moment afterwards immediately, like slightly, mm-hmm. just a little bit. We think about the moment coming, we have the moment and we evaluate it afterwards. <laughs> and instead of doing all that, we could just like be in the moment, but it's hard to do because you have to turn your mind off. You have to turn your mind. If you think too much, you start thinking all those thoughts cloud the moment. You have to get the, the, the thoughts out. Forget about the thoughts. Just be. That's sort of part of it. So I'm going to turn this part into the self-help version of the John and Tom show. Yeah, there you go. But am I wrong? <laughs> no, 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 not, no, no. I think you're right. Or I, I might be. I don't
Thanks for joining us for episode 23 of The John and Tom Show, John Gets Existential. Special thanks to Dr. Erica Fisk for joining us today. If you like this episode, please share it on social media and give us a review. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Carmel Sound Lab. For more information, please visit www.carmelsoundlab.com.